Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Pardee, and today we're going to be continuing our Who Are They series with the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's get on into it. Hi, so in case you're new here, first of all, welcome. Uh, what we do is we go over each team position by position, breaking down the whole roster, and at the end of it, I give my um, win uh, floor and ceiling, a pessimistic and optimistic overview of the whole roster, as well as a, um, I talk about their over under Vegas win total, whether or not I think it's smart to go over or under on that, as well as a uh, the biggest strength and the biggest weakness. Um, hit the subscribe button to stick around because at the end of this whole series, I'm going to be doing my full season prediction where I'll give my official win totals, what I think each team will finish in the season, as well as a season's award prediction, a playoff prediction. And then when the season kicks off, we're going to be talking about each and every team, every game of the season. All right. And without any further ado, let's get on into today's team, the Cincinnati Bengals. So at quarterbacks, they have Joe Burrow, Brandon Allen, and Jake Browning. So Joe, Joe Burrow exploded last year, vaulting himself firmly into the top five quarterback conversation in just his second year. He needs to clean up his interceptions and his unnecessary sacks taken, but if he can do that, he may just be the best quarterback in the league. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks, a great decision maker, and has a phenomenal group of weapons to throw to that he knows how to take advantage of. He's also a natural leader who has this infectious confidence that helps the team feel like they can win against anyone and down any score. Now that he's going to be playing behind an even better offensive line, he could just be otherworldly this season. Allen was taken in the sixth round in 2016. He saw some starts in 2019 for Denver and then last year here when Cincinnati after Burrow tours ACL. He hasn't shown anything to believe though that he's more than just a career backup. Browning, he went undrafted in 2019 and has yet to play. So for running backs, they have Joe Mixon, Samaje Pirine, Chris Evans, Travion Williams, Elijah Holyfield, and Shamari Jones. Mixon has become one of the best backs in the league while running behind one of the worst lines. The Bengals invest in fixing this line, so look out for Mixon to have an even better season than last year, where he had 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns, plus 300 more yards and 3 touchdowns through the air. He got about everything you want in a modern running back. He's got good size and speed, the ability to break a tackle or avoid one, and he's a good receiving back. Pirain is a bruising, tough yardage back. At 5'11", 230, he doesn't do much beyond run over people ahead of him, but he's good at his role, averaging 4 yards after contact last season. Evans played good in limited action as a rookie 6th round pick, 3rd down back. He had as many targets as he did rushing attempts, and he capitalized on those chances with 150 yards off of 15 catches. He also did well when asked to pass protect. I wouldn't be surprised to see his usage increase to keep Mixon a bit more fresh, as Evan showed last year the ability to handle the NFL. Williams was taken in the 6th round 2019. He saw a bit more action in 2020, the year Mixon went down with injuries, but he hardly played at all last year. Holyfield went undrafted in 2019, but he hasn't played yet. And then Jones is a UDFA from this class. So for wide receivers, they have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Stanley Morgan, Mike Thomas, Trent Taylor, Trenton Irwin, Puka Williams Jr., Kwame Lasseter, Javion Hiley, 
Jack Sorensen, and Kendrick Pryor. Jamar Chase sat out his final season in college and struggled with drops during the preseason, so many were worried about how the fifth overall pick would come into the league. However, he put that all to bed by showing his elite chemistry with Joe Burrow still remained, putting 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns and being a huge reason why Burrow was able to unlock his deep ball. Unless Chase regresses big time, he should finish as a top 5 consensus wide receiver in the league and maybe even the best deep threat. T. Higgins is a great number two, who would be many teams' number one. Taken at the top of the second round in 2020, he fell just short of 1,000 yards as a rookie with Brandon Allen at quarterback for half the season. In year two, he eclipsed 1,000 yards and excelled in all areas of the field. He's got enough speed combined with his 6'4 frame to be a great deep threat and is a good route runner for his size. Having him opposite of Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow throwing them the ball is just unfair. Tyler Boyd is one of the best slot receivers in the league rounding out this incredible receiving trio. With Chase and Higgins always threatening deep, Boyd is able to take advantage of the extra space created underneath with his shifty route running. He's a reliable target with zero drops last year and then two the year before, and he brings some veteran presence to the room being drafted by the Bengals in the second round in 2016. The depth after the top three though is very unproven, so they better hope that their star receivers can stay healthy. Because Morgan, he went undrafted in 2019, but hardly has played yet. Thomas was taken in the sixth round in 2016, but he's been a backup uh, with a bit over 300 career receiving yards. Taylor was taken in the fifth round in 2017, but his production has dropped each year since putting up 400 yards as a rookie. Irwin went undrafted in 2019, hardly seeing the field. Williams went undrafted as a running back return specialist. Um, the Bengals, though, he converted him to wide receiver but he's only played special teams last year. And then Lasseter, Hiley, Sorensen, and Pryor are all UDFAs from this class. So at tight end, they have Hayden Hurst, Drew Sample, Mitchell Wilcox, Thaddeus Moss, and Scotty Washington. Hurst has been a disappointing first-round pick, taken by the Ravens in 2018. He was quickly outshined by Mark Andrews and then traded to the Falcons after two seasons. He had his best season there, putting up almost 600 yards and six touchdowns, but then hardly produced last year with the addition of Kyle Pitts. Now, he'll be this team's number one, so let's see if Burrow can get the best out of him. Sample hasn't done much since being taken in the second round by the Bengals in 2019. Last year, he was mostly used as a blocking tight end, where he was alright, but definitely was disappointing given the high investment. Wilcox went undrafted in 2020 and saw the field a bit last year, but didn't do much. Thaddeus Moss was Burrow's electrifying tight end at LSU, but he struggled immensely with injuries. The undersized athletic tight end might be this team's best weapon at the position, but he hasn't been able to see the field since going undrafted due to injuries in 2020. And then Washington went undrafted in 2020, but hasn't played yet. So for offensive line, their starters are going to be Jonah Williams, Jackson Carmen, Ted Cross, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins, with Deontay Smith, Devin Cochran, and Isaiah Prince backing up by tackle, Hakeem Adenji, Desmond Noel, and Cordell Volson backing up at guard, and Trey Hale, Lamont Gilliard, and Ben Brown backing up at center. Williams was taken 11th in the 2019 draft, but he missed his rookie season and then half of his second year with injuries. 
when he has been out there, he's been overall solid against both the run and the pass. Now that he's got a full season under his belt though, let's see if he can stay healthy and show why he was taken so highly. Smith was taken in the fourth round last year and started the final game when all the starters sat, but he didn't look that good doing so. And then Cochran is a UDFA from this class. Carmen was taken in the top of the second round last year. He didn't have the greatest rookie season, popping in and out of the starting lineup, unable to hold the starting gig on that poor offensive line. Hopefully, the Clemson tackle can fully transition to guard this year to hold down that left guard position, which is the biggest question mark on this whole offense. Adenaji was taken in the sixth round in 2020 and started the second half of last season at right guard. He had a couple decent games, but for the most part was beaten both run and pass scenarios. And then Noel is a UDFA from this class. Carras has been an average to slightly above average interior lineman for the Patriots and then one year with the Dolphins. So that makes him a major upgrade over what the Bengals are used to. He's one of the three new starters that they brought in this offseason, as they're using the creep back towards average strategy commonly talked about in that PFF NFL podcast. Instead of spending a bunch of money on one position and then having a stud there and scrubs elsewhere, the Bengals spread that money between multiple guys to ensure that there's no weak links, um, dependent on how Carmen rolls out but there might not be any elite strengths. At least they didn't spend big money on them, but they might have some elite players in their tackles. Hill was taken in the sixth round last year and saw a start at right guard and then two at center. He didn't play bad given the situation, only surrendering one pressure, so maybe he can compete for a starting gig, either he at center, which pushes across out to left guard, or he just wins that left guard spot over Carmen. Gallard was taken in the 6th in 2019 by the Cardinals and played a few snaps in 2020 for them, but didn't look good and is now here. Um, Brown, he's a UDFA from this class. Kappa was taken in the 3rd round in 2018 by the Buccaneers. He improved each season and developed into a pretty good starter, um, who the Bengals prioritized scooping up this offseason. Then Volson was taken in the 4th round this year out of North Dakota State. Collins was a first-round tackle prospect in the 2015 draft, but he went undrafted due to an ongoing investigation on the murder of his ex, which he had absolutely nothing to do with. He signed with the Cowboys, who started him at guard before moving him out to tackle. He struggled with the injuries, but especially these last two seasons that he has played, he's been pretty great for the Cowboys. However, due to Dallas's terrible cap management, thanks Zeke, they had to release their stud right tackle, who should still have plenty of years left in his prime, as he turns 29 the day after this video is posted. While I did say the Bengals seem to be going for average players to plug holes, Collins has elite potentials and fell right into their laps. Him and Williams could become elite bookends for this line for sure. Then Prince was one of the worst tackles in the league last year, being forced to start from week 16 through the Super Bowl. The Bengals better hope Collins can stay healthy so they don't have to rely on Prince again. So for their interior defensive line, they have DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Zach Carter, Josh Tupou, Tyler Shelvin, and Tarikius Tisdale. DJ Reader is a great nose tackle. At 6'3", 340, he's able to push the pocket, but he really earns his money as a run stuffer, eating up blocks and making it difficult for running backs to get around him. The Giants traded for Hill, um, sending Billy Price over last year, a first-round pick for the Bengals who was an absolute bust at center, making this trade a huge deal. Hill is a 3-5 tech pass rushing lineman who can still work against the run. 
He got 29 pressures and 6 sacks last year. Uh, nothing too special, but definitely much more valuable than they would have gotten out of price. Carter was taken in the third round out of Florida. He's an undersized defensive tackle, so he'll likely mostly see passing downs at least early on, and we'll see if he can make some sort of impact as a rookie. Dupoe saw a good amount of snaps to give Reader some breathers. He's built very similarly to Reader, also being 6'3", 340, but he isn't as good versus the pass or the run, and he's firmly slated as the backup. Shelvin was taken in the fourth round last year, but didn't play too much, not producing at all when he did get out there, and Tisdale is a UDFA from this class. So for edge defenders, they have Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, Joseph Osai, Cam Sample, Khalid Kareem, Wyatt Hubert, Jeff Gunter, and Noah Spence. Hendrickson earned himself a big contract with the Bengals after showing flashes of greatness as a rotational rusher for the Saints. He proved the Bengals right with 75 pressures and 16 sacks. I think he's proven himself to be a true number one, so hopefully he can keep this up. Hubbard was taken in the third round in 2018 and has improved each year, developing into a nice number two with 55 pressures and 9 sacks last year. Him and Hendrickson should be a solid duo for the next couple of years. Maybe not one of the best in the league just due to how many great combos there are right now, but they will provide more than enough pressure to be happy with. Osai was taken in the third round last year out of Texas, but he missed his rookie season due to injuries. Hopefully in year two he can stay healthy and be a nice rotational edge piece. Sample was taken in the fourth round last year and had an alright rookie season with 16 pressures and 3 sacks. Kareem was taken in the fifth round back in 2020, um, not playing a bunch yet, but so far showing to be better against the run than the pass. Hubert, he was taken in the seventh round last year but didn't play, and Gunter was taken in the seventh round this year out of Coastal Carolina. Spence was taken in the second round by the Bucks in 2016, but he didn't play well there and has bounced around the league, dealing with injuries and hardly seeing the field. So for linebackers, they have Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, Akeem Davis-Gaither, Marcus Bailey, Clay Johnson, Joe Bacci, Keandre Jones, Carson Wells, and Clarence Hicks. So I kind of view these linebackers similarly to the Edris group. I think that Wilson and Pratt are a solid duo who will get the job done, but I definitely want to put them amongst the best in the league, especially because like even with the edge group here, I see Hendrickson being a true number one, but I can't quite say the same about Wilson yet. He had a great postseason run and was a big reason why they made the Super Bowl, so if he can keep up that play, he'll enter that conversation. He just needs to be a bit more consistent, as he's shown to be a great coverage linebacker, but he also gave up 190 yards to the Jets. He isn't the most secure tackler as well, missing 11% of his attempts so far in his career. He is young though, only entering year 3 after being taken in the third round 2020, and he's a good athlete. So I'm not too worried about him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he took that next step, he just needs to prove it. Pratt has also been inconsistent since being taken in the third round in 2019. He hasn't provided much against the run, but he showed some flashes as a weak side coverage linebacker, including a game-sealing interceptions against the Raiders in the wildcard round. This is the final year of his contract, so he does have a bit more to play for, so let's see if he can step it up and earn a big payday. Davis Gaither was taken in the fourth round in 2020. The undersized linebacker has rotated occasionally in coverage, but missed most of last year with injuries. Bailey was taken in the 7th round 2020. So far he's seen early down action mostly and has been a good run stuffer but not much else. 
Johnston was taken in the 7th round in 2020 by the Rams and has bounced around the league a bit already, not playing much so far. Then Bocce went undrafted in 2020 but hasn't played much yet. Jones also went undrafted in 2020, hardly playing, and Wells and Hicks are both UDFAs from this class. So for cornerbacks, they have Chidobia Wuzier, Eli Apple, Mike Hilton, Trey Flowers, Cam Taylor Britt, John Brannon, Jalen Davis, Alan George, Abu Darmi Soare, Delonte Hood, and Buki Radley Hiles. Awuzie had an up and down first four years for Dallas after being taken in the second round in 2017. Last year, though, he played amazing for the Bengals, looking like an upgrade over William Jackson, who they let walk so they could get cheaper. Hopefully, he can keep this up and be a true number one cornerback for this team. And then I think Eli Apple has become really underrated. No, he's not good as all the smack he talks online, and he was not worth a 10th overall pick. That just makes people assume that he's burnt toast, but he was actually a pretty solid number two for most of last year. He allowed only 500 yards and three touchdowns his way, and only had one game where he had 100 on his head. I do think that they should look to upgrade on him though, and I think that they have tried. Um, they plan on maybe putting rookie safety Dax Hill there, I've heard, or maybe even putting um, Cam Taylor Bright if he's able to step up as a rookie. Hilton was a top-tier slot corner for the Steelers, and after they decided to go cheaper at the position, he came over to the Bengals, where he has continued to excel. Flowers was a safety coming out of college and converted to corner after the Seahawks drafted him in the fifth round. He struggled there as a starter, as he does have better straight-line speed than change of direction, um, so he now he finds himself back at Eli Apple on the Bengals. Taylor Britt was taken in the second round this year out of Nebraska. He's a great athlete who definitely could push Apple for a shot day one, but many rookie cornerbacks do struggle, so I wouldn't be surprised if we had to wait a year before seeing him on the field. Brandon went undrafted in 2020, but has hardly played. Um, Davis, he went undrafted in 2018, and he has almost 200 career snaps at slot, hardly given any opportunity to show what he's got. And then George, Darmi Swai, Hood, and Radley Hiles are all UDFAs from this class. So at safety, they have Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Dax Hill, Brandon Wilson, Tyson Anderson, Michael Thomas, and Travion Henderson. Bates has been a top-tier free safety since being taken in the second round in 2018. He had a bit of a down regular season last year, but exploded in the playoffs. It is a question, though, on whether or not he's going to be playing for this team, as he got franchise tagged but wants a big extension, which he and the team could not agree upon, and that deadline has already passed. This would be a huge blow for the team if they did trade him, but they did just draft a safety in the first round who could theoretically play the Bates role if need be. Bell has been a good second safety taken by the Saints in the second round in 2016 and signing with the Bengals in 2020. He's more of a sure tackler run support safety, better near the line of scrimmage, but he can still play a bit over top and is far from a liability in coverage. Hill was taken 31st in this year's draft. He's a versatile defensive back with elite speed. He mostly played out of the slot in college, but he has the skill set to play elsewhere, which is good because they have Hilton established in the slot already. He can play deep if Bates is traded, or he can play next to Bates with Belmore in the box. He also has the physical ability to play corner and could replace the incumbent Eli Apple. 
I honestly have like no idea what Hill's role will be in year one, but I'm definitely excited to see him play. Wilson is mostly a return specialist, seeing a few hundred snaps at safety since being taken in the sixth round in 2018, but he's mostly on this team to be a kick returner. Anderson was taken in the fifth round out of Toledo this year. Thomas went undrafted in 2012 and has stuck around the league since then as a backup safety special teamer. Henderson went undrafted in 2018, not playing much defense so far, just special teams. Speaking of special teams, they have Evan McPherson at kicker, Kevin Huber, Andrew Chrisman competing at punter, and Clark Harris and Cal Adomitis competing at long stopper. McPherson had an electric rookie season. He missed one field goal all season, including the postseason, after going 0 for 2 and a loss in Green Bay in like week 5 or 6, hitting some clutch kicks to help them on their magical Super Bowl run. Huber has been the Bengals punter since being taken in the 5th round in 2009, but he's getting up there in age, so they brought Christman in last year at the UDFA to compete. Harris has been the long snapper since 2009, but they brought in UDFA Adomitis to compete for that job. Alright, so now this is when I get into my whole season overview. Um, talk about their floor ceiling, everything that can go wrong, everything that can go right, their over-under win total, uh, their biggest strength, and then their biggest weakness. So, starting off with the pessimistic, I think this team has a floor of 7 and 10. This team is surely, like, very talented, but there is just, like, the young coaching staff, like, and all the youth on the whole squad, as well as this was just, like, the first time that they were successful in a long time. So there is kind of that hesitation where it's like, plus coming off the Super Bowl hangover, it is like, uh, there is a chance that they miss the playoffs. Something that can go wrong and lead to that is Burrow just regresses a bit and he looks a bit more like he did as a rookie. Good in the short game, but definitely struggling a bit more with that deep ball with his weaker arm. Mixon, he should be good, barring sudden regression, with, which we see a lot with running backs or injuries. Also seen a lot with running backs. Um, maybe this wide receiver trio is getting overtyped and they can't repeat how they performed last year or maybe they just like deal with injuries and this depth just is unable to step up. Hurst, it's very possible he can't be a number one tight end so they just hardly get any production out of that position and really miss Uzama. Um, so many new pieces, this offensive line definitely could struggle with like lack of chemistry and then also just Jackson Carmen could not be good. Their defensive line, it could be just like good not great and the linebackers also just good not great everyone just all right on that defense like having a couple good weeks but also just like when going against good competition just gets destroyed cornerback play can be very volatile season on season so awuzier could regress and eli apple could remind everyone why he's a bust it's very possible they trade bait which hurts the secondary so much and hill might not be able to fully fill those shoes in year one um, and then I see the ceiling as 11 and 6. This might not be as high as the ceiling as a lot of people would expect from like such a talented team. But as I said, like there's just so much youth on this roster that I and like they lost just some crazy games last year, like to the Bears, to the Jets, and I just feel like something's gonna hold this team back. Maybe I can't quite put my finger on it. Whether it's a coaching, whether it's a youth or an experience, whether it's like maybe Joe Burrow who flirts with his confidence becoming cockiness like what if he goes too confident and doesn't take care of the ball enough and doesn't like take um 
doesn't respect other teams enough that like he sees as the Bengals clearly being better on paper then doesn't mean that they can just roll in there and beat him you know um however optimistically though burrow can play at that mvp level leading the best offense in the league mixon could be absolutely electric in both the ground and the air game chase higgins and boyd could form the greatest wide receiver trio we have ever seen and Hurst could capitalize on the lack of attention paid to him by the defense. The new pieces on the offensive line could plug right in, and then Carmen can play good in his first full year as a starter, surrounded by other players. This pass rush definitely can sniff that elite territory, and the linebackers could play great behind a good defensive line. Awuzie can repeat his success from last year, and Apple or someone else can play well at the number two. The Bates drama could all settle out at least enough to let him play one more season with the Bengals, and him, Bell, and Hill uh, form an amazing safety trio. So their over-under is set at 9.5, and And I kind of had to like look through their schedule and really think about what it is, because I feel like 9.5 is a really solid line for this team. Like I could see them winning 9 games, I could see them winning 10 games, that's like kind of the most likely outcomes for them. the AFC North is always a bloodbath, but last year they did manage to win four of those games, and I could see about the same this year, maybe three. A lot of this depends on the Watson suspension. I was kind of trying to push back the AFC North a bit, um, hoping that we would figure out what's going on in Cleveland, but it looks like we aren't going to figure out until like right before the season starts. Um, they also do play the AFC East, which I believe should be two to three more wins, but they did have some surprising losses last year, as I said, including to Mike White's Jets. They also play the NFC South, which I see as another two to three wins. And then their other three games are to the Cowboys, Titans, and Chiefs, which I could see them going anywhere from 0-3 to 3-0 and against those guys. This roster is loaded, and if they can carry the momentum from last year, they should easily hit this over. But they do have a tough schedule, and they need to prove to be more consistent and that last year wasn't just like a one-year wonder. So that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if they fell just short of the total and finished with the nine wins. And then their biggest strength, I'm putting as their receivers. As I said, this receiving trio could be the best in history if they can stay healthy. Jamar Chase came in and dominated as a rookie and could definitely be the best receiver in the league. T. Higgins is a great compliment who has number one skill set, but because of Chase, he's going to be receiving number two treatment from the defense and could shred them. And then Boyd was this team's number one a few years ago out of the slot, and he's going to be able to capitalize on the threat of the deep ball to Higgins and Chase and put up some monster numbers out of the middle of the field. And then I'm putting the biggest weakness on this roster of like youth inconsistency. I don't really know entirely what to frame it as, but so I kind of figured youth is just the easiest way to surmise it. Um, this roster is just so young, and they were inconsistent last year. Yeah, they caught fire at the right time at the end of the year, but they lost to the Bengals and the Jets, got blown up at the Chargers, and barely beat the Broncos, Vikings, and the Jags. Based on what we last saw, they don't really have a weakness on the roster. Like, that Super Bowl run was just absolutely phenomenal. But looking at the season as a whole... You can see that this team isn't dominant week to week, and they will need strong coaching to keep this young team on track and not have a Super Bowl hangover. And I think Zach Taylor needs to prove that he can do that over a whole season before we just crown this team. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, if you 
liked what you saw, let me know. Hit the like button, comment below. If you disagree, let me know how much higher you think I should be on the Bengals. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you might be listening to this, leave a five-star review. Help me push it out to other people. Um, hit the subscribe button, and I'll see you guys all next time.